Amen. Well, welcome once again to the month of Elul. How many are glad we're no longer in Av? And you know, Elul's just going to get better and better. Tell your neighbor it's getting better. And really, uh, the message this morning is about Elul again because we want to look at the tribe that's associated with the month of Elul. And it fits so well with all of the prophetic words that have come forth this morning. So this is just sort of to confirm what has already been released because this message is standing against the enemy with the tribe of Gad when the king is in the battlefield. Now, last week we had our first fruit celebration for the Hebrew month of Elul. Now, to the Jews, Elul is a wonderful month. For one thing, coming into Elul means we have made it through the month of Av. In the biblical calendar, we've just finished the month of Av. Jews believe every month is a new prophetic season. And you can see that very clearly in the Bible. And Av was not a fun season. Av is sometimes called the month of dire straits. It can be a difficult month. Av was when Satan intimidated Israel at Kadesh Barnea, filled them with fear of the giants in the land, and caused them to turn back in unbelief instead of entering the promised land. And Av is often a time of the year when Satan tries to intimidate us and make us turn back in unbelief to forfeit our destiny. In Av, it can feel like you have to press through a narrow place to get to your promise. You feel like the walls are closing in. But when we make it through Av, we enter the month of Elul. Coming into a law means there's a change ahead. We're in a season of change. What was true in the past season will not be true in the season ahead. In a law, we go from a narrow place to a broad place. We go from the oppression of the enemy to the favor of God. And a law is one of the most joyful months. It's a month when God is very accessible. The Jews say that in the month of Elul, the king is in the field. See, most of the year, we talked about this last week, the king lives in the palace. It's not easy to get an audience to talk to the king. But one month each year, the king left his palace and went out among the people. He set up a tent in a field near the town, and all who wanted to see him were welcomed. And the announcement was made, the king is in the field. And see, that's the month we're in. God is in the field this month. This is a time when God is very accessible. You don't need to climb up into the heavens to get his attention. You don't need to make him great promises. You don't need to follow some religious protocol or ritual. You only need to make the effort to go to him. 
You know, sometimes when I teach on a lul, someone will ask, well, isn't Jesus always accessible? Well, yes, he is. But sometimes we don't feel like he is. Sometimes we forget that he is. And a lull is a month God wants to remind us the king is in the field. God wants to assure you that you can go to him and be welcomed. So in a lull, God wants you to know that he is near to you. He is with you where you live. He wants to surprise you with his presence. He wants to remind you that he can manifest himself in your workplace, in your classroom, in your office, your shop, and your home. He wants to meet with you in the everyday affairs of life. But there's another way the king is in the field. And that's when you're in the battlefield. When you are hard pressed by the enemy. And when things look the darkest, the king is in that field too. He comes with his armies of angels. And so this is a month of deliverance from the power of the enemy. This is the month God wants to meet you on the battlefield and lead you into victory. Now, do you see why that was important for the people of Israel? If Israel had pressed through in faith at Kadesh Barnea and entered the promised land in the month of Av, they would have faced the giants in the month of Elul. And as they went out to the battlefield to face the giants, they would have discovered the king is in the field. The armies of heaven would have joined them to bring them into victory. And that's why it's very significant that the tribe associated with Elul is the tribe of Gad. See, Gad was a tribe that knew God in the battlefield. And so if we really want to understand the month of Elul, it's helpful to know some things about Gad. Now, Gad was the seventh son of Jacob born to Leah's maid Zilpah. We don't really know anything about the person of Gad except that he had seven sons when he moved down to Egypt. But by the time of the Exodus, the tribe of Gad had multiplied to over 45,000. And Gad was a warrior tribe. Both Jacob and Moses blessed Gad as a warrior. God was known for being loyal and faith, a loyal and faithful tribe, but even more, he was known for his ferocity in battle. First Chronicles 12 says, the men of Gad were all captains with the least of them equal to a hundred and the greatest to a thousand. In order to align with David, the men of Gad crossed the Jordan River at flood stage. That's a dangerous thing to do, but they knew where God wanted them to stand, and they said, we're not going to let any flooding river stand in our way. Verse 12 describes the men of Gad as mighty men of valor. That's Gibor, Giborim, mighty men. Now, as Israel marched through the wilderness, the tribe of Gad was in the second group of tribes marching under the banner of Reuben. And these tribes were the first line of defense for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was carried immediately before Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. 
When they camped around the, the tabernacle, Gad was again grouped with Reuben. Gad was prepared to stand side by side with Reuben to drive back any who would dare to attack. Now Moses' prophecy over the tribe of Gad said this, said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad's domain. Gad lives there like a lion. He chose the best part and the leader's portion was kept for him. And when the heads of the people assembled, he carried out the Lord's righteous will. And so Gad became known as a tribe that was willing to stand with God and face down the enemy. First Chronicles 5 says Gad totally defeated the Hagrites. Now who were the Hagrites? How, how many have never heard of the Hagrites? You know why? Because Gad totally <laughs> defeated them. It says Gad's warriors were brave and ready for battle. Their faces were like the faces of lions, and they were swift as gazelles on the mountain. Barzillai, who came to David's aid, was from Gad. Elijah the prophet, who stood fearlessly against Jezebel and the priests of Baal, was from the tribe of Gad. Gad was a tribe who knew what it meant to stand with God on the battlefield. And so the month of Gad is a month to put on your spiritual armor. That was one of the prophetic words that came forth this morning. Put on your spiritual armor and let God train your hands for battle against the devil and all of his forces. Now God's strength as a war Gad's strength as a warrior created a haven of safety. And Gad became a defender of his brothers. Gad became a refuge for Jews fleeing the Philistine oppression in 1 Samuel 13. The city of refuge, Ramoth Gilead, was in Gad. The judge, Jephthah, who rescued Israel, was from Gad. Gad stood with David when he ran from Saul. Gad supported David when he was made king. David found a refuge in Gad during his flight from Absalom. The brook Cherith, where Elijah took refuge and received supernatural provision, was in Gad. So part of taking the territory, part of overcoming the enemy, is to stand in the gap for your brothers and sisters and have a covering of protection for them. Now Jacob's prophecy over Gad is interesting. Chuck mentioned this. God will be attacked by raiders, but he will triumph at last. Yeah. As Chuck said, he'll come from behind and win. But really, that is a description of Gad's whole history. Gad was continually attacked by raiders. Enemy forces continu continually tried to overrun the territory of Gad, but he always overcame in the end. After Solomon's death, Gad was conquered by Moab. The lost territory, though, was later recovered under Omri. But Moab gained supremacy again for a season. And Gad was the main battleground in the long struggle between Israel and the Syrians. 
Syria gained control, but under Jeroboam II, Gad was again restored to Israel. In 734 B.C., Assyria came, carried many away into captivity, and then the Ammonites came to occupy the territory. But in Revelation chapter 7, Gad is again listed as part of Israel. You see the pattern over and over and over again. Attacked by raiders, overcome by enemies, but they will triumph at the last. And Gad triumphs at the last. Now, God God was faithful to Gad and gave him the ability to overcome. But Gad found himself in many battles that God never intended him to face. See, Gad was a faithful tribe. He was fearless in battle. He was a defender of his brothers, but Gad had made a terrible choice. See, along with his brother Reuben, Gad chose not to settle in the promised land. See, when Israel left Egypt, God gave them a promise. He would take them through the wilderness, and he said, I'll give you the land of Canaan for your inheritance. And he described it as a rich land, flowing with milk and honey where they could dwell safely and enjoy God's blessings. That was the promise of God. That's why it's called the promised land. And all of the years in the wilderness, Canaan was their goal. You know, the great tragedy of Moses' life was that he was never able to enter Canaan. Because of his disobedience, God said, Moses, you will die on the east side of the Jordan and never set foot in the land of promise. But as a consolation prize, God took him up on a high mountain and let him look across the Jordan to at least see the promised land. And that's what makes Gad did what Gad did so unbelievable. See, as Israel was getting close to the promised land, after 40 years in the wilderness, they were attacked by two pagan warlords on the east side of the Jordan, and the warlords were Sihon and Og. And Israel fought Sihon and Og and conquered their land. And Reuben looked around at the land of Sihon and Og and said, you know, this looks pretty nice. We'll just take this for our land. And so the tribe of Reuben settled east of the Jordan outside of Canaan. I mean, do you see? I I think about Moses standing there on the mountain, squinting his eyes to look across the Jordan and see as much of the promised land as he could see. And there were tears flowing down his face, knowing he would never get to set foot in that land God had promised them. And then there's Reuben. They look across the river, they see the promised land and say, but you know, this land is good enough. We'll just stay here. And Reuben rejected his inheritance in the promised land. And the promised land was where God promised Israel they would dwell safely. But when Reuben chose land outside of the promise, Gad did also. Now, why did Gad choose to live outside the promised land? 
Well, I think it's because Gad had marched with Reuben in the wilderness. Gad had camped with Reuben around the tabernacle. Reuben was Gad's companion. And so Gad chose to hang out with his friends. He chose to follow Reuben. And like Reuben, Gad took his eyes off of God's promise. But the result was disastrous. Because living outside of God's boundaries, Gad was constantly under attack. Constantly overrun by enemies. He was not dwelling in safety. I want to tell you, if you're outside of the boundaries God has set for you, you are vulnerable to the enemy. And so Jacob's prophecy over Gad was fulfilled. Gad will be attacked by raiders, but God is still with him and he will triumph at last. He'll come from behind and win. God was with Gad and they fought off the enemy, but their position outside of the promised land left them vulnerable. They found themselves in battles God never intended them to have to fight. See, just like Gad, God wants you to know he is with you on the battlefield. He is on the battlefield with you this month. And he wants you to stand against the enemy knowing that God will be there to back you up. But keep your eye on the promises of God. Don't be swayed by bad decisions of others. In this month of God, press into the promise and don't settle for less. So in this month of Elul, learn the lessons from the tribe of Gad. Occupy the sphere that God gives you. I mean, Satan will always uh, suggest something else that might be easier, but stay where God puts you until God moves you. Occupy the sphere God gives you, then determine to fight the battle. You know, you are at war. Satan is a real enemy. Demons are real. And if you just try to ignore them, they will not go away. It is a battle to overcome the enemy. So occupy the sphere God has given you. Determine to fight the battle. And then you're not just fighting for yourself, but stand in the gap for others. And keep your eye on the goal. And walk in faithfulness and know that God will supply everything you need to triumph in the end. Everybody say triumph. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to triumph in the end. Lord, we thank you for this month of Elul. Lord, we thank you that you are in the field. Lord, you are with us wherever we go. Lord, you are available to us. And Lord, you are ready to stand with us in the battlefield to always lead your people in triumph. Lord, we thank you for this month. Lord, I release. Oh, come on, let's stand up. Give them a shout. Hallelujah.